Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to read today out of the book of James, um, chapter 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation in verse uh, 22, and it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look into the perfect law of liberty, the New Living says, if you look into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The the Bible is a mirror. When it says here, look into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible is a mirror. It says, obviously it uses the word glass, but it's talking about a mirror. When you walk up, why do we look in a mirror? We walk to look to see, hey, did I, when I was shaving, did I miss a spot on my face? When I was combing my hair, is there a piece of hair sticking up? Do I have, you know, f- food in my teeth? The mirror is there to show us a clear, clear reflection of who we actually are. And so it is with uh, being a Christian. The Bible is the standard of being a Christian. And so you can compare your life, you know, it's like people compare their lives without knowing it. You can look and say, well, you see that person, you're like, man, they're really in great shape. And, you know, if I look at them and I look at me, I've got about 30 pounds I need to lose and I should be getting some muscle. And, you know, that's how, that's how comparison works. It's when people, when people make a, um, a forgery of something. So if you're going to like make a, uh, whoever makes, you know, fake hundred dollar bills or whatever, they compare it to the real thing. So you have to have the real thing to look at. The same thing with forging a, a piece of art. So they take the real thing. And some of these forgeries are so awesome that they would like, you know, they're they're actually great pieces of artwork in themselves, but they're forged to be an actual Rembrandt or whatever the, um, uh, whoever the artist is. And so you need the original to be able to compare. As Christians, we're called to live up to the standard of the word. So one of the things the Holy Ghost does is he takes the word and illuminates it so that we can measure up to the standard. That Yet there are still people who are Christians really in name only. And when it comes down to the practical side of what is what is a Christian? You know, when I ask people, what is a Christian? Um, well, it means to accept Jesus in your heart. Yes, but on a practical basis, like day to day, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, being a Christian is choosing it's yes, it's having a relationship with Jesus, but it's choosing to obey the Bible. It's choosing to obey the word of God. It's choosing to obey the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Ghost comes to show you areas in your life. And this is an ongoing process. You know, this is something that will be there. It's a part of who we are, a uh, part of, of, of our lives. And it, it's maybe not always the same thing. It is supposed to change. You know, when you first come to Christ, depending on the lifestyle you're coming out of, there's major changes. Hey, I'm not going to smoke weed anymore, right? I'm, there's, there's big things. You know, people come to me, well, you know, I live with my girlfriend, but, um, you know, why is it that I need to do that? Well, the Bible says the two will be joined together and they'll be husband and wife, not, not boy, not boyfriend and girlfriend, right? So why is it that I'm not supposed to sleep around? You know, it's like these things. So major changes, but then people start making the changes and then they realize, you know, the changes get smaller and smaller, which is awesome. That means progress is being made. You know, it's like not huge radical changes anymore. It's like, all right, you know, it's it's a hard attitude. When this person talks to me, I've got an attitude towards them. That's better than having to make changes like, you know, this, I cussed this guy out and I wanted to kill him. I had to restrain myself from beating him up. Like, big to little. But the word is there to show us. So when we approach the word, we have to be really honest with ourselves. 
And, and it doesn't matter how far you go in life, if you're called to the ministry, you always have to be able to be honest with yourself around the word, because it's the only mirror that we have, the true mirror. C.S. Lewis um, referenced the word being like the, uh, uh, the true light of day. He said, there's places where you go and, and under certain light, things look a certain way. If you go try on some clothing, you know, under the electric light of the changing room, the clothing can look a certain way, but then you get out into the sunlight and it looks different. And so it is with the word people, people in this today, this culture are looking at their lives under the electric lights of, of culture. Yeah, I'm doing a great, you know, I'm making a, a bunch of money and life's good, right? I'm, I'm living my best life. I'm balling out of control and life's good. But under the light of the gospel, what really matters, what does it matter to profit? What does it uh, profit a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his own soul? And so we look in the perfect law of liberty. We look in this mirror and then we make adjustments. Thank the Lord that we can make the adjustments now that you're not 50 years old. You know, the thing is, it's like, it's like, um, it's like a ship, a ship heading in the, in the, in a general direction, but off by a few degrees the longer it goes, the further it gets off course. So we may look at it like, well, I'm giving up all these things and I'm having to change. People say things like, oh, you know, I can't change the music I listen to because it's who I am. I can't change the people that I hang out with because they're, they're all I've got. You know, they're the only ones who really showed me real love. But if they're people who are pulling you astray, the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. It's, if when you get around them, you don't have a desire to serve the Lord, that it's a pull in the other direction. You like leave them and you have to like get yourself feeling spiritual again. Then you realize, hey, these people, although, you know, well, how about asking? How about praying and asking, Lord, bring me the right friends. Bring me people who, who I can surround myself with, who can be good, good for my life, who can help me and lead me toward the things of God. So there's, there's the word of God that is the mirror for our life and is able to correct us. When Jesus spoke, he called people stiff-necked people. You know, what's interesting about that is like, if you think about that term stiff-necked, that means obviously someone whose neck doesn't turn. It's a stiff neck. But why did he call them that? What the, the word says in Proverbs 4.20, my son, attend unto my word, incline your ear to my sayings. So what is he saying? He's saying that incline your ear. He's saying, turn your ear. So, so if you're listening to another voice, when I speak, Turn your ear to hear what I'm saying instead. Give, give my word preference over and above what you're hearing. Incline your ear. When you hear the voice of God, give it first place in your life. But the interesting thing about that is, is how do you turn your ear? You know, you actually can't turn your ear. You can't twist your ear. Your ear doesn't pop out and like rotate. How do you turn your ear? You turn your neck. So when Jesus would say, you stiff-necked people, he was saying, you who are unwilling to even turn to hear what, what, I'm, what the voice of the Lord is saying, you who've made up your mind and are so stuck in your ways, that's a stiff-necked people, rebellious people, people who've hardened their heart, hardened their neck to they won't even hear. If you listen, Jesus would say that often. He would say that, like you read Mark 4, hearken, behold. What is he saying? Hearken means listen. Behold means look. Listen, that they would have ears to hear, right? That hearing they wouldn't hear. Their hearts would be hardened. So this is something that Jesus talked about a lot. But but people come to the word and just refuse to hear and receive any correction from the word. But if you maintain a soft heart and you just say, Lord, the most important thing in my life is to please you. Lord, I know that you're going to be correcting me. There's little there's little adjustments that I'm going to need to make. I'm going to continue to make adjustments. It's like it's like a ship, you know? If it if it starts off course, that's one thing. But if it starts off course, even by a small degree, it ends up way off course. So it's constant adjustments, constant adjustments.
constant adjustments, looking at the Word. What does the Word say? And so the Bible says, and if you'll turn with me if you're um, uh, with your Bible, 1 Timothy 3, uh, verse 2, and it says, I'm going to read it from the Amplified, and it's talking about ministers, and it's talking about the character of ministers. You know, there's, there's what God equips you with. There's the anointing, which is the spiritual equipment to get the job done. There's the calling and then the anointing. But then there's also the conduct that goes along with it. So this is what this is dealing with. It says, verse 2, now a bishop, a superintendent and overseer must give no grounds for accusation. Man, how about that? Just that line alone. We could set the rest of this podcast on that. Must give no grounds for accusation. What are you doing in your life that gives a grounds for accusation? Well, you know, it's not really what I'm doing, but it's just what people think it is. There should be no area that people could even falsely accuse you of things. There's no area that it should even appear. The Bible says, avoid the appearance of evil. So if there's something that you're doing, if, if you're on Instagram or, or otherwise, you're sending photos to people and then it's you hanging out at your girlfriend's house or your girlfriend hanging out at your house and it looks like it's just the two of you together, that's a problem. You know, Krista and I, when we, made, when we dated, I made a decision that we would never be alone in my house together. And then she had roommates, so we were never alone in her house. And so it's just a decision that we made to avoid the appearance of evil. So that no one would ever have a place, oh, you know, she's been going over there and he's got a house, you know how that is. And no, no, there was not a single time. I mean, there were times where my my roommate, we, he'd say, yeah, I'll be home, you know, I, I, we were going to watch a movie or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll be home at this time. And then so we'd show up at the house and he wouldn't be there and we'd sit on the front porch. Why? Because if anyone drove by and they see my car and they see um, Krista's car and they don't see my roommate's car and they're going to say, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? What's that? That's avoiding the appearance of evil. So let, the Bible says, let there be no ground above reproach, must give no grounds for accusation, but must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, circumspect and temperate and self-controlled, circumspect, temperate and self-controlled. So, what, so here's the question. Does your character and your conduct reflect your high calling? Does your character, you're a Christian, does your character and does your conduct reflect the high calling of God on your life? And especially if you're called to the ministry, does your character and your conduct reflect the high calling? Well, I'm not in ministry yet. I'm in Bible school. Does your character and your conduct reflect the high calling? Do you think you wait? How do you think this works? That God promotes you and then you get, and then you start acting differently? Or do you think God promotes you because you act like a minister now? That's why for me, you know, it dawned on me, hey, as a preacher, I have to have a prayer life. And I didn't have a prayer life. I mean, besides praying for my food, I have to have a prayer life. Do I wait until I'm in full-time ministry to to pray? Or do I develop a prayer life now before I'm in full-time ministry? You know, as a minister, I have to... I have to study the word. I have to study to show myself approved. Do I, do I get messages when I'm about to preach or do I get them beforehand? You should, if you're called to the ministry, even if you're 10 years old, you should be acting like a minister. And I'm not saying you you can't have a sense of humor. You can't be a normal person, but you can't live by the standards of this world. Does your character and your conduct reflect your calling? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. And you know, I'm not, I'm not immune to this stuff either. I have to begin to ask, is what I'm doing reflecting the calling of God? I'm in the ministry now. People look at me. They look at my life. Does what, does what I do, if someone, if someone does, does what I do, if the world could see what I do 24 hours a day, 
does it reflect my, the, the call of God or the things that I don't want people to see? Does my character and my conduct at all times reflect the high call? You know, this is one of those podcasts where you have to like really take an account of your life. But these are the ones that I'm grateful for because there's been times where over my teenage years and young adults where I was just repenting, asking God to help me change and be a better person. But I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad there was grace for that. And what I'd hate to see is a generation of people who, who look like everything's good on the outside, but then deep on the inside, they've got stuff that they're hiding. You can't keep it hidden. You have to bring it to the light. Get help. The devil wants you to fight alone. He doesn't want you to ex- exposing it because when it gets exposed, it can be dealt with as long as it's in secret. So you avoid a bear embarrassment, rather be embarrassed now and cut the head off the monster now and deal with it and get it dealt with and behind you. Some people deal with things for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and then it gets worse and worse and worse. You know, it may be a small area. You may say, you know, my character, my conduct, it's not a major sin, but they're just things that I do in my own spare time that just don't represent a man of God, a woman of God. Let the Lord speak to you. And there's so many areas that I, you know, I could mention, but the Holy Ghost is there to pick out those areas. There's probably things that he's been talking to you about for a long time. Let this be the day that you write down your new plan of action, that you make, that you make some decisions and some deals with the Lord. And then, and then hold yourself accountable to it. Because all I know is I want my life to please him in everything. Before I'm in ministry, I wanted my life to please him. Now that I'm in ministry, I want my life to please him. In the next phase of my ministry, I want my life to please him. I want my character and my conduct to reflect my calling. God's got good plans for us. Let's do our best. Let's be consecrated. Let's be faithful. Let's be people who lay aside the sins and the weights that easily beset us. God bless you. I love you. Thanks for joining us here. Thanks to everyone who's been um, uh, sharing the podcast, but also to people who've been coming up and meeting us and saying, hey, I listen to your podcast. I appreciate that. I love that sort of thing. Hearing from you guys, you're the reason we do this here. We love you. We'll see you on the next podcast.